2: Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes.
0: Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to com slash wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase.
2: Welcome to the ID 10 Team Podcast number 1071. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're hanging in there. Uh, hope you're feeling hopeful, or maybe you just need to be distracted. And this is going to be a wonderful episode. Uh, This is a a very feel-good, feel-happy, feel-warm-and-fuzzy episode. So we'll get to that in a second. But for right now, I would love to talk about the ID10T community corkboard events at ID10T.com. Like Matt, who writes, Just want to throw up my humble podcast onto the corkboard. Done. Uh, It's called Unpacked, and it's a comedy travel podcast where I interview my friends about their weirdest and worst experiences overseas. Some episodes are hilarious, some are downright scary, but the conversations have been fascinating and have taken place all over the world. In these times of isolation and locked borders, it's nice to remember times of exploration, when airplanes roamed free in the skies. I'm currently releasing the second season of Unpacked, which can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Podomatic. That's a great idea for a podcast, Matt. Fantastic. I... Was just kind of going through old photos. Um, because you know, the your phone will go, Oh, this is what you were doing a year ago. And Lydia and I were in Italy a year ago. Um, and it's not only crazy that that much that a year has gone by like that, which also makes me hopeful because another year will go by like that, but also just that feeling of, Oh my gosh, yeah, that's right. It was so just being in another place traveling, being on planes, like being, you know, smushed into touristy things where you're, you know, elbow to elbow with other people. And it just, that concept now just seems so strange. So... Um, I, I think your podcast sounds like a wonderful idea for folks to talk about their travel experiences and also think about a time when we will be able to travel again, and we will. So uh, thank you, Matt, for submitting and to anyone else, events at ID10T.com for that info. Uh, also, if you head to ID10T.com, we have some uh, new shirts, some Walking Dead stuff that we put up now if you want to go uh, take a peek. That is ID10T.com. But enough about that stuff. Let's talk about this episode. Ah, oh, this episode was very, very... This episode was very, very special to me because it's Ted Danson and Mary Steenburgen together. Uh, we did via video conferencing, obviously. I mean, both of them are... You're going to listen to this episode and you're like, okay... I would like them to be my bonus parents. I would like an extra set of parents. And I would like Ted and Mary to be those that extra set of parents. But they're just such lovely human beings. And also, you know, like we did it via video. And then just, you know, they've been married a long time. And then just seeing the love and adoration and respect that they have for each other. it, it It's so, you know, as a married person, I just, I love seeing it. And I love... Um, I don't know. It was just, it was very inspirational and aspirational at the same time. Uh, you know, I got some, you know, Ted told some great cheer stories that I'd never heard before. Mary Steenbergen told, uh, talked about, uh, Parenthood and Time After Time, which are two of, you know, films in my sort of like all-time favorite film, Pantheon. And, uh, but, but they were just at the core of it, really nice, fun, funny people to talk to. And I really greatly appreciated the time. And this this, this conversation will always be very special to me uh, for the rest of my life. So I thank them for being on the podcast. Um, Mary is in Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, which is airing on NBC. Uh, Ted is in The Good Place, which is streaming on Hulu and Netflix, and also Curb Your Enthusiasm, which is streaming on HBO. So here we go with the id 10 Podcast number 1071- with the absolutely wonderful Ted Danson and Mary Steenburgen.
3: Initiating id 10 protocol.
2: my god how are you doing
1: we're uh we're well we really are we're uh, working very hard at being well we have a few challenges here and there but really to be honest we're we're doing great how about you
2: i mean we're we're very very fortunate we have you know everything we need we're still able to work remotely i mean i'm still able to work somewhat remotely for some stuff and uh and we've been we got a puppy about two weeks before everything. Uh, it's the best,
3: the absolute best time to have <laughs> to All have right. uh, a puppy, I think. My our son our son has one too. And, oh, did he
1: just get it? Like he like got he before, got it right? a
3: couple of months before the great pause, you know, and um <laughs> and uh he so he's and he was supposed to be, he's a writer, director. He was supposed to be do, going into pre-production on a movie, but instead he's just training his puppy. And
1: loving, loving, loving. Yeah. Him. Oh, good.
2: Good, good, yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. What Did you kind a, of. I was, he we just, were just about to ask each other the same question. Yeah. He eating?
3: got a little rescue mutt uh, from this really great place called Love Leo Rescue. And. He's just like a little. He's a, he's a small dog with a very big dog attitude.
1: <laughs> I mean, literally, he's about like you know, yeah. His like
3: his name is Redford because he has very blue human eyes, and because my son is friends with Robert Redford, so he named him.
2: <laughs> <laughs> which is which is fun for all of us. You know. I mean, that's hey, fantastic.
3: Redford. Hey, I named my
2: dog after you. You did what? Yeah. Like- <laughs> <laughs> Robert Redford know that the pup has been named after him.
3: Probably not. I don't know. He might. He he, he will now. He, he's uh, he's very good-natured. So yeah, but he has very blue Redford-like eyes. So I think that was the that's the sweet. we yeah. have the
2: opposite. We have a we have a dog that's going to be very large that does not realize how big he is. He's going to end up being like 130 pounds. So, yeah.
3: What is, what kind of dog? It's called an
2: otter hound. They're, I not know that. Yeah, they're like a cousin of an Irish wolfhound. They're very friendly and, you know, they were used to hunt otters, you know, like a century ago in England and Ireland. And, you know, the otter hunting game just ain't what it used to be, so... Uh. <laughs> You know, they're out of they're out of a job, and so there just aren't that many of them left. And yeah. yeah, my wife got really excited about the idea of like, we have to save this breed of dog, and so now we have this massive. He's like fifty pounds, and he's only four months old.
1: So. Ooh. <laughs>
2: Big
3: it's, tail. I have hope tail? he wanders Big through tail. during this uh, little chat so I can see him. Oh no, he's uh, my
2: wife has him downstairs. She's uh, been. We take him on several walks a day because <laughs> between seven thirty and nine every night, he turns into basically a really poorly behaved child who's tired, and he just starts throwing his body around and freaking out and (laughs) jumping on you and it's like he's overtired and then all of a sudden he just passes out so we're trying to tire him out as much as possible during the day that's Um, so cool yeah so i this was so nice of you guys to do this especially together
3: it's not like we're otherwise engaged so we're quite (laughs) quite happy we've been looking forward to it
2: that's really nice what are you what are you doing with your time like what is what are you are you are you reading are you gardening are you just sitting in chairs and staring at each other all day what do you do
1: we do an inordinate amount of cleaning mm-hmm. and dishes yep. and meal times are very exciting yeah um, <laughs> we <laughs> we try to we try to be uh, We promised we'd take a walk after we talked to you. So uh, we're probably batting about 60%, getting out every day and exercising, trying to keep doing that. Uh, We do some podcasts. I'm just, I I think the first three weeks, I was like, I I was fearful of thinking of the future. I just wanted to be ultra focused on this moment. I couldn't let myself think now, I think I'm beginning, we're beginning to be able to hold both, you know, being here, present in this moment and realizing there will be an end to this and, you know, continuing doing some of the stuff that we will do once this is all over. What about you? Um,
3: yeah, we're, the, the meal thing is huge. We do, <laughs> we, the second we eat a meal... We start planning the next meal with great gusto. So that's happening. And then, and more cooking. I like to bake, I like anything to make anything with chocolate chips in it. So every, every lunch and every dinner ends with some sort of muffin with chocolate chips <laughs> and i try i put zucchini in a lot of things like zucchini chocolate chip muffins which makes it healthy like that's healthy yeah. and yeah. um so there's a lot of that and then uh i've been writing music quite a bit um with um i that's my other job. And I, uh, I write a lot with people in Nashville. So, um, it it turns out it's actually kind of more efficient because if we're together, those same people that, that I write with, we'll talk for about an hour before Mm we'll ever, before the guitars and piano, anything gets kind of. Played and this way it seems like we're a little bit more focused and it's been that's been amazing that's been really fun to write
2: during this and and you don't feel you know I've talked to a lot of people who feel and to myself and myself included who I think because of the anxiety and the uncertainty and that it's been difficult to be creative because a lot of your creative energy is really you know diverted to what's tomorrow gonna bring and when am I gonna have to you know like are we gonna run out of x y or z or what's what oh they're they're changing the rules again you know so yeah have you you been able to push that all aside and actually be creative or even more creative and if so
1: how you
2: have with with
3: music I have I don't I don't know what it would be like if I was trying to um, think about acting, think about acting, or memorize lines, or any of that stuff. I guess it would feel sort of futile, actually. <laughs> but um, but the music, I, which I didn't know, I didn't know if it if I would have it in me to kind of push any fear and stuff like that out of me and focus on being creative. But the second we started um, uh, writing, it was like this is the best way for me to spend my time right now. You know, it felt so good. And, um, we were writing, there was, there were four of us. I was writing for a movie, but there, but, uh, there were four of us, John Osborne of brothers, Osborne and Lucy Silvis, his wife, and uh, a really great songwriter, Troy Burgess. And they're all in Nashville and Lucy and John are in one house and Troy's in another. And, and um, and then I'm here. And it, it just, um, I was so filled with joy at seeing these amazing friends and musicians and and at doing something <laughs> besides baking chocolate chip muffins. <laughs> so it came, it came out real nice. So it was, it was good.
1: I mean, I think we're having, you know, it's always so hard because you turn on the news and it, it This becomes a disclaimer to how much fun we are having being together mm-hmm. and having this time that we wouldn't have taken this degree of alone time. I don't think because we were busy and we had all the trappings of, you know, work and this and that that are that are wonderful, but they're distracting Um so we, it's, it's almost, it's not embarrassing. The truth is we're having the best time being together, but it's, it's hard because you also are not an idiot. You realize that the majority of the world is suffering and uh, people are having to work and by doing so getting sick. And there are people who are, you know, the outrageously courageous people who are allowing us, people like us to stay home. You do, it is a weird combination of, Anyway, it, it, this there, is me. Weird,
2: there is a weird guilt to it. I know what you mean, where it's like, yeah. oh, we're actually, you know, we, we actually find moments of nice times. They're like, am I allowed to feel this way? Because yeah. other yeah. people don't have a choice. And they're just, no. you know, steeped in 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 such tragedy. suffering. Yeah. There is a bit of survivor's guilt to it, I think, but yeah. I don't think anyone would begrudge anyone for how no. they're getting through it because everyone's in a similar boat.
1: No, I agree, but I and I do think that we are all. My hope would be we are all learning lessons that you know science matters. You know, yeah. science <laughs> has actually had a backseat, you know, recently, and uh, and that that same science that is saving our ass when we go to the hospital. Uh, or when we find uh, the medications that are going to cure us all, it's the same science that's talking about climate change and all these other things in life. So I hope we learn that. I also hope that we learn that the social justice component of our uh, society needs real work because those people who we're singing praises and uh, and calling them heroes... Um, are the same people that are dying more than we are. You know, the African-Americans are dying at a higher rate than we are. That poverty counts for, uh, for how well you will survive this or not. Um, so anyway, I did, it feels like, I, I don't think I will come out the other side of this without having to take some sort of, both, uh, we were talking about financial action, but also, you know, working very hard to make sure that this is not forgotten, that this was a moment that was a learning moment as well. I really, I, I do hope so. And I hope part of it is also the, um,
2: the sort of the taking away balance, you know, like learning that while it's easy to get distracted with our own little selfish bubbles and our careers yeah. and all this, you know, like... What someone said on social, you know, Instagram or whatever. I was like, yeah, I don't know, none of that. Maybe the important thing is is that we survive and we support each other and we focus on life stuff and not, yeah. you know, like the superfluous yeah. things that are really just a distraction. You know, I hope people come away more compassionately than me too when we then when we all went into this. Maybe this is nature being like, chill out for a second, focus on yeah. what's important, and you know. Try, try to be less dicks to each other when you guys get out of this yeah. on the other side.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah, and also really question, you know, um, the waste that we've all kind of been a part of in terms of um, our planet and, and the way we've really taken it for granted, you know? And it's, it's like... Um, it, I don't know what it's like there but here it's it it is honestly like um, the earth is taking a big breath or something and it feels um, I of course we can't pause everything in business and in and in our economy nor should we but um, it would be nice if if part of what we do next included um, some sort of sense of leaving this place a little bit better for everybody else.
1: And then you pick up the paper and you read, well, the paper on my phone, paper, <laughs> and, you, and, you, and you, and you realize, you know, that the people who don't feel that way, like we're talking right now are very busy, you know, you know taking the EPA apart, you know? And so anyway, la dee da.
2: Well, I just, you know, again, it, the, I've noticed that the, I don't know where we're, I'm in LA. I'm not sure where y'all.
3: Are. Oh, I was thinking, do you not? So I thought you lived in Nashville or do, don't you have some connection to Nashville or did I get that wrong? No, nah,
2: I've done standup there a bunch, but I don't, oh. I don't live there. I, I okay. was born in Memphis, but.
3: Uh, oh, maybe Memphis that's Nashville right. Nashville are very different. I mean. Yes, I know. Uh, well, I'm from Arkansas. So West Memphis is in Arkansas. Oh, my God. Yeah. West Memphis, Arkansas. Right. Yeah. It, puzzlingly, West Memphis is not in Tennessee at all. Exactly. But, you know, we Memphis, used yeah, go We ahead. used to go to our concerts in Memphis. That was our big connection to it is that when I got old enough for, to drive to a concert, we always drove to Memphis because nobody came to Little Rock back then oh yeah well you yeah the little rock let's see
2: uh if you were there in the i don't know you you were probably already work you were already working by then but in the early 80s they opened mud island in memphis which was right on the river which was basically a deposit that they were like let's make this a concert venue and so you know everyone would come in from mississippi and arkansas because memphis is like right there Um, yeah and uh it's I love Memphis. It's a wonderful town, but it's just like Nashville is its whole, this whole little like creative bubble that is. We We
3: love Nashville. We're crazy for it. We have so many friends there and it's such a, it is, it's such a creative um, city and it's, it's really, it's really a city of poets. I mean, the, the focus on writing and, um, and it's a city where, People root for each other, you know. In the music business, there it's like there's a a sweetness to it all, you know. Well, there's so
1: much collaboration. You're always writing with other people.
3: Yeah, it's just uh, we love it. It's I hope before too long I will actually get to get to go back. Yeah, go back.
2: But what you were saying about the environment, it's interesting because it, especially with all the rains we had in Los Angeles. Yeah. The air is, like, high-def, crystal clear. Yeah. Unbelievable. I said to my wife last night, it, should we all, like, one month a year just not leave our homes? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I just know. to, like, reset. I mean, I know a lot of people would have to work in that time, but I go, but just to sort of reset the air, like, just to kind of let the animals, like, come back out and sniff yeah. the ground, and then, you know, before we go back out, you know, one month a yeah. year, would that be... Would that be terrible? (laughs) Um, But I I think one of the things that I'm so fascinated by both of you by is that you have these parallel careers where you started working at a very, around the same time and then just kind of never stopped like in a business. And I think it kind of goes with what we're talking about too. Sort of like you have no control in the entertainment business, very little control over what happens. (laughs) And in a, in a very volatile business where things change and you don't, you might work, you might not work. I would love to sort of understand what it is that you both started working in the seventies and then like just continued to do like cool thing after cool thing, after cool thing. Is it, is it a confidence? Is it a, is it just kind of like going with the moment? Is it like, what, what is the philosophy that has kind of gotten you through all that time and all those amazing jobs in an b- incredibly difficult business.
1: Wow. I, I don't, I, I don't think we know <laughs> really. <laughs> and we, and so you end up just saying, thank you. And uh, thank you. Thank you. And being full of gratitude. But I will say that both of us, I'll speak for myself. I love going to work. I love acting. I like acting as much as I do as I did when I, the light bulb went off, you know, in college and I went, Oh my God, what is this? I love it. Um, I love driving through studio gates. I, I turn right on, you know, James Stewart Boulevard and cross over Gregory Peck street. And, you know, it just brings me such joy to work with crews and writers and directors. And I, and I love the community of actors. Uh, I think it is a noble profession or it can be, you know, uh, so I really, really, really love my job. That, I think, helps a little bit to longevity because, you know, you're, you're enjoying it. You're, uh, well, I don't know. That's the one thing I can say is really true for me. I love acting and everything that goes into it. Um, yeah. Barry, what do and, you know, think? Otherwise, <laughs> and, oh, one, one other thing, no, I'm sorry, um, is somewhere down, I mean, I got lucky and blessed and cheers, you know, started my career in this very elegant way. But somewhere down the line, I I realized, don't worry about the size of the part. Don't worry about anything except, don't worry about the money. Worry about finding the most creative people in the room and then asking them very nicely, can I be part of whatever you're doing? Because if if you go with that, look for creative souls to play with, you're likely more likely to be in something authentic, which then generates more work.
3: Well, I agree with everything you said. I think part of the thing I would add is that I only did two movies where I only had to think of myself before I started having children <laughs> well actually maybe three movies I did three movies and then I had uh, around the same time that thing was being built in Memphis I started you know I had my first um beloved daughter and and then my son and so my career wasn't just about me anymore it was about uh what's the best way to support our life, but still be able to be with my kids. Mm -hmm. So, so that meant, um, these, these lead things where you go away for three months, you know, aren't quite as easy anymore, you know? And, um, and, and it kind of was okay until they were in, like fifth grade, and then a kid will look at you and go, I don't want to go, you know, to Tasmania. But I'm
1: working with Johnny Depp. You,
3: you know, don't I, I, I don't want to go, I don't want to go because I'm on a sports team, or I'm, you know, so so then it became about trying to find the Gilbert grapes and things like that, that were small parts, but that were um, super creative. creative and interesting, and Uh, and that kept my sort of foot in the door in terms of the business. And that was challenging because it's, it's, especially for women who, you know, uh, especially as I was coming up, it's very difficult to age and be a woman in the business, but to, but, um, then to also be balancing at that time as a single mom, how, how do I work, not be away from my kids and still stay in the business? You know, right. that, that became my big challenge. And, and some years I did better than others. I mean, it. I wasn't, I didn't work as consistently as he has. And, um, I did lots of little, little parts and little movies, that, but that were fun roles for me. And so, um, And I think the other thing that's true of us and well, what one of the millions of things I love about him is that he doesn't have that actors. It's all about the next, next job. I mean, he really does love to work, but there's also this kind of, um, I don't know if it's a confidence or a belief that, that somehow it'll be there that he he loves lots of other things in life too, you know. And in his case, particularly, um, Oceana, which is the ocean advocacy group that he spent so much of his life um, and time and money working for. So I don't know. I, I kind of love that because it's actors' egos can be really boring. Oh my God! And yes, I,
2: of course. And especially <laughs> like if if you're constantly in pursuit of ego things that's a pretty empty pursuit. And there's, there's no, cause the other question that I had and this, you sort of answered it is look, you both have had so much success, but that doesn't always rarely does that alone make people happy. You know what I mean? Like, but everything you're saying is about the balance of something bigger than yourself, like having kids or working on a project for the environment or, you know, those sort of take you out of, and that's what I was talking about earlier about this whole thing that we're now is will this allow some people to not focus on that ego stuff because we just can't at the moment you know we have to focus on the culture and our society and the bigger picture and the bigger ideas and I kind of think when things like that take front and center it's probably a little bit healthier for
1: our egos <laughs> which
2: just want to be all the jam. time
0: yeah.
1: Ch- challenging. I mean, just to keep things in balance, one of our favorite, well, at least one of your favorite stories is how we took a family trip uh, years ago, twenty about 20 years ago, down the Amazon, and it was with a group of friends and family, and there was no one on the river that we saw except River Angels, who had never seen, you know, they saw one boatload of people a, a year, maybe, so for about three weeks, no one recognized me, and Mary saw me start to get faint, <laughs> lack, lack of oxygen, and confused, and a little depressed. It
3: was kind of <laughs> pathetic, to be honest.
2: So
1: let's not get ourselves.
2: Yeah, yeah. Let's... Cheers! Cheers is a big show, you guys. I thought it was. I thought everyone got it. Is that
3: not? <laughs> I mean, it. It is literally in my. Whatever it is, 27 years or whatever of life with Ted Dance, and it's the only place we have ever been that everyone didn't recognize him. And I'm not was, going back to the not deepest, back. darkest Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> Ted shows up
2: with a bunch of uh, DVD players and just like,
3: yeah, you know, here's, so, yeah, here's all the scenes yeah. on DVD. I'm going to come back so don't don't let us fool you too much talking about our lack of ego and our yeah ready to pop the question the jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkled
0: down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments their lab grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds and they're ready to ship to your door
2: That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
0: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
2: It is, it is rare though. Like it's, you know, most shows, cheers. I, I watched the entire series on Netflix last year. You did? I did. Well, I wake up a lot. I usually wake up at like three or four in the morning for a couple hours. <laughs> And so I noticed Cheers was on Netflix and I was like, oh my God, I I haven't watched the older seasons in a long time. So I watched from episode one and it was so interesting to watch that show having worked in television for 25 years now because I see all these things that I didn't notice before. Like, holy shit, all the characters are super locked in episode one, which is an incredibly uncommon thing. Yeah, It takes like, if a show's lucky enough to be on for two or three seasons, it's like by the third season, everyone kind of figures it out. But, oh, my God, the first season of that show, like everyone is is just sprinting. And it it's incredible. It's an incredible feat to watch. Yeah. Did it feel that way?
1: I I, I I Not to us, because I think we were just also, I can't believe we got a job. I can't believe, you know, I think some of, I think we knew the pedigree of uh, Les and Glenn Charles, the brothers who were the writer, head writers of Cheers, and Jimmy Burrows who went on to direct everything, everything. known to man. <laughs> you know, literally. There isn't a sitcom that he hasn't directed. But anyway, we realized that we were in amazing hands. But um, yeah, no uh, I think you it wasn't like we weren't grateful and all of that, but most of us had never done television to that extent. So we just thought, Oh, this is what happens when you do TV. It was only later in life. that we that It dawned on us how lucky and blessed we were.
3: But wasn't, uh, wasn't Cliff Clavin a different character in John?
1: Oh, John Ratzenberg came into audition for, I don't remember who, another part, maybe George's part. And they went, uh, Oh, um, okay thank you and he, went, he started to go and he said hey do you guys have a character like the bar know it all because all bars have know it alls and he started to just riff huh. I think I'm getting the story right and they just watched him go off on you know the, the, the no, pompous know it all that he, he his character kind of you know that's fantastic, in that right. yeah.
2: isn't
3: that a cool story? He, I he love created his
2: own part. Yeah, yeah. I especially I imagine when people would go up to him in real life and go, "Oh, you don't talk like like that." That character though of Cliff Clavin is so locked in culturally. <laughs> oh, he
1: makes me laugh so hard
2: yeah. when I go back
1: and watch.
3: It's amazing, anyway,
2: he
1: makes me laugh more than anyone.
2: But that show also survived. It was just. That show had such an elegance to the comedy because even, even after uh, Shelley Long left and Kirstie Alley came in, it's like that could have killed a lot of shows when like a sure. major, and somehow the show, like locked into this whole other thing, that was incredible. Like it is that was that just a testament to the kind of symphony of everyone just like everyone was just firing on all cylinders. I don't know what it was. There was just a magic that was happening.
1: Yeah, I mean, they, they cast well, you know, to begin with. They cast really interesting people. And then there was something, and the writing was spectacular and all of that, but then there was something that if you brought a character, maybe not even a, a, a major change like uh, Woody for uh, Nick Colasanto, you know, Woody for the coach part, coach died in yeah. the third year, or Kirstie Alley, but even just characters that had an arc for a year or something. If the bar, the characters in the bar embraced that new character, it was like then the world embraced them. It was the bar as a group became this this very powerful kind of entity in itself. I, I often think that you could almost show a still of the bar and play the Cheers theme song. And you could have had another couple of seasons.
2: (laughs) (laughs) There's something that's so therapeutic for me. Maybe it's just because of the age I was when that show came on, but I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, I think it was Thursday nights and I think it was Cheers and then taxi, maybe
1: taxi Uh, uh, for a, a year or two. There was, yeah. I can't remember who came first, but yes.
2: Ta- yeah. Taxi, I think, was late seventy, like seventy seven or seventy eight or something. I think and, we overlapped by a year, by like a year or something. Yeah. And the, yeah. the, those two theme songs, just I feel so calm when I hear them because I was a, you know, I was a kid, and, yeah. but I loved comedy, and uh, and it all like it just all came back so much being able to relive it on Netflix. But the show, like the arc from like all the seasons it really holds up from start to finish in a surprising way that a lot of things from that era don't necessarily hold up. It really holds up because I think ultimately it's just about people and relationships.
1: Like it's that, that's ultimately what it is. And very funny, very funny writers, man.
3: Yeah. I, I was such a fan that, um, and I never, I never did this with anything else because I would have been too shy, but I got, um, Shelly Long's number I chickened out to call him but I, I called her and just told her just like fanned out about how brilliant I thought it was because that kind of comedic acting that they all did is like to me it's like ice skating it looks effortless and it's just breezy and beautiful and like, they're throwing it away, but it is so precise. And and it, it was that mystical thing of, of the perfect actors and the perfect writers in concert with each other. And as an actor, I was just blown away by it every Thursday night. I just thought they were, you know, extraordinary.
2: Yeah, and also television is so different now because... I didn't realize this, but the the ratings for Cheers were not amazing the first season. But they, no. s- we
1: were dead last one week. <laughs> we were we were seventy out of seventy shows. That
2: shit would not fly now for more no. than no. two episodes. Yeah. No,
1: we we used to say that Brandon Tartikoff was this uh, who was the head of NBC programming. Yeah, and we got there that he was a genius for having, you know, kept Cheers on the air. You know, and he would confess, we we had nothing to replace it with. We would have replaced it in a shot. <laughs> I mean,
2: when you think back that, you know, probably, I don't know what the actual number was, but it was probably like 30 or 40 million people a week watched that show. I know. And there's just no real analogous anything for that anymore. It was just such a special moment in
1: time. Yeah, three networks. Yeah. As opposed to What? A hundred something.
2: I mean, it's like, if you count all the streamers now, like I, it's there's an infinite, you know, we're sort of burdened by infinite choice now. I don't know really what's what anymore. But besides Cheers, Mary, you're in two things that I watch very regularly, like every year. (laughs) I watch time after time every year because I think it is just such a beautiful movie. It's perfect. Um, And I watch Parenthood about once a year. And specifically your the relationship that you have with Steve Martin with, with his character, where he's the warrior and he hates roller coasters, but you love the <laughs> roller coaster that is so much my wife and I oh really yes, uh where i just I'm very rigid, I need everything a very particular way, and I'm a warrior, and she's just like, just go with it, you know that that movie is just such a' is such a beautiful another timeless movie it's such a beautiful slice of. Um, I don't know. It's just, the writing is great. Everyone in the movie is fantastic. Was well, that was that a particularly special piece for you as well, or you
3: know, it's just yeah? I mean that that group of people. It was such an, a mind blowing cast, and everybody uh, was there to make you know. To, you felt like you were making a special movie, and it in. And- Oh, sorry. <laughs> that's Arthur. He's very
1: hard of hearing.
3: He's 14. And he's literally hearing things. Oh, that's sweet. Um, I know, he's super sweet. Um, you know, that... Uh, that was written by Lowell Gantz and Babalu Mandel, who, yeah. between them, I think had like six children, and they were fairly young. I think one of them had triplets. And oh, wow! So they, so they really knew what they were talking about the, of the the beauty and the horrors of parenthood, you know, and uh, um, it, and then, of course, Ron Howard. Uh, had his kids and I was there with my two kids and they were all being homeschooled in a little trailer on this set. And during that movie, my dad, who had been um, uh, struggling with lung cancer, I I had been with him for a while, and then he seemed to be doing okay. And I went back to shoot one scene and. Got the call right after I got back to uh, Florida where we were shooting to come back to Little Rock and my dad passed away during mm. parenthood and the the love that those people showed me um, because it was just, you know, my dad was just the coolest guy. He was a freight train conductor and the sweetest, most lovely man in the world and it was a massive you know Loss and um, and those people, you know, even Steve, who who professes to be and is so so kind of socially shy or whatever. Everybody embraced me with such um, care and love, and I so I whenever I think of the movie, I just think that it really was. Like family, you know, and um, and we were dealing with, you know, both children and the loss of parents and all those things. It was one of my three films I did with Jason Robarts, who I adored. And uh, I did Philadelphia um, and also Melvin and Howard Mm -hmm. with Jason. And he was just a really dear friend. So there's so many things about it. And that the I really too, just Oh, loads. just some great lines. I mean, that scene you're talking about, where we're talking about the the merry-go-round versus the roller coaster, and and this his grandmother, Steve's grandmother, comes in and tells us why she thinks the merry-go-round is so boring and the roller coaster is so great, and then and then she leaves the room, and he says something, you know derogatory about it and I say you know well I think your grandmother's brilliant and he goes well if she's so brilliant why's she sitting in our neighbor's car <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It's I love, just, I just such a the, good line
1: spike the football on spike
3: oh football. yeah there was a great line that Jason, Jason Robards
2: line yeah it's one of the greatest yes. it's one of the oh most poignant you never spike the ball you never <laughs> cross the finish line you know because he's trying to say to Steve like what do you like? There's, there's, you, there's no point in worrying because you,
3: you you're know. never gonna not be a parent. Now you're screwed. You know, it's like your aunt Ed, Edna's ass. It goes on forever, <laughs> 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 and, it, and it's, you know, it's so true. It's yeah. like, you know, it's <laughs> like doesn't matter how old you are, you are still a parent once you've had them, and your heart belongs to them, you
2: know? And it also, like, there were things in there that I hadn't really seen in, like, a, you know, before that, you know, fa- family comment, I don't know, it was just, there were some very real moments, even Jay's Robart saying, like, I never should have had four, you know? Like, even just admitting, like, you know, the that everyone, I don't know, that life is basically never what you think it's gonna be, so you better really just enjoy it yeah. for whatever it is, because you can't control you can't like every single character went through something where they were dealt a hand either by fate or by choice. Right. They just had to deal with. And that's just what life is, you know?
3: Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned time after time, time after time is what gave me my children because I married Malcolm McDowell and my that's, he's um, still my friend and, and um, my kid's dad. And, So that movie uh, was so special uh, uh, because I I really uh, appreciated Nicholas Meyer and his great script and that whole experience. And, of course, um, Malcolm, who's amazing in it.
2: Yeah, and David Warner, too, who's a David guru. Warner.
3: Oh, he's so good. He's he just... used to hold a knife to my throat. And then when Nicholas would say cut, David would go, sorry, love, sorry. Um, did I hurt you? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, David, stop apologizing for being Jack the Ripper. <laughs> Literally after every day. <laughs> well it's also
2: like in the context of that movie too i think what a lot of people don't know is that in in the 70s it's like crime like the the world was really becoming this place where they were looking ahead like 15 years and assuming like well i think that america is probably going to be under martial law by yeah. 1995 yeah the crime rates had skyrocketed drugs like it was crazy and so the idea that H.G. Wells thinks the future is a utopia and then Jack the Ripper says, No, this isn't your world. This is mine. This is my yeah. world. Yeah. Yeah. Like to, to wow. know that about what was going on socially at the time just makes the movie like really uh, chilling at the that. same time. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, as someone who's been married for, I'm sure you get asked all this all the time and I apologize, but it's your fault for having a beautiful marriage. For someone who's been married for four years, um, but uh, just, uh, what what do we do to keep the spark alive? Like, we're still in honeymoon period as far as I'm concerned. I'm very happy to be in quarantine with my wife. We love a lot of the same things. She's my favorite person. But h- how do you sort of, you know, like, it, relationships have a natural ebb and a flow. And so how do you keep it all fresh and happy? Like, even if you can just even tell the way you're sitting next to each other now. It's a very... You're just kind of leaning on each other. It's very unconsciously sweet. So how how do you how do you keep that how do you keep that going?
1: I'm looking for a hundred irreverent things to say, but, uh, <laughs> but what you just said, you know, about you and your wife, certainly is the foundation. You you know, she's your best buddy, and you love spending time with her. I mean that that goes a long, long way. And you do work for stuff and all of that, but. We laugh
3: a lot. But I was going to say the fact that the guy makes me laugh every single and day the of girl my life makes me laugh is is really huge. And yes, and he's generous with his laughter. I make him laugh, and it's it's like that's the, uh, there are some comic actors that they're fabulous about making everybody laugh, but they don't laugh back, you know. And mm-hmm. there's intense generous. In general, as a human being, so it's just that that delight in finding the funny in life is huge. And we really,
1: really like each other.
0: Yeah, I, mean, I really, really like who
1: Mary is. I like how she does woman. I think she, you're just amazing, and you are, uh, and we complement each other. I mean, I may be in socially, I'm a little more glib than you are. You're a little more. Uh, shy and stuff like that, but you're... So I'm kind of surfacey kind. Mary is deep kind. Mary is the kind of kind that changes people's lives, you know, Mm -hmm. that uh, people come to you in need and you are there in a way that's really meaningful. Uh,
3: Very sweet. Not true about yourself, but anyway. No, I'm...
1: (laughs) I'm shallow. I shallow
3: work. You're that's, only, that's you're only shallow. That. You're only shallow about your hair.
1: Yeah, we both love the same hair products. That will also go a long way.
3: Uh, it's like <laughs> the the most challenging parts of this quarantine have been the three haircuts um, that I have given him, and which are pretty really good. good, pretty and, good, good. Uh, but it was dodgy. I mean, it was like. Yeah. I can yeah. feel my
2: palms sweating and um <laughs> <laughs> one one chew snip. Ah, well the good news is we're not we don't have to go anywhere for the next I yeah, have, right, I right. that's what dawned on me is like what who cares? I hadn't even thought about that until like a week ago where I was like, Oh my god, I this is not the this is not the worst thing that could ever happen to a person at all so i don't mean to suggest like oh poor me but i realized like i don't think i'm going to have a haircut for at least four six more weeks and it's already been like six weeks and i'm now starting to get like i'm starting to feel like a uh, jeff daniel's character and dumb and dumber where it's just this, this like weird like this is what it does all the time. So,
1: can you can you put your hat? Back? Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry,
2: <laughs> I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to. Hug me. It's very upsetting. Everything's going on up here is very upsetting. I
3: I wish I could come over there and help you out, but sadly, my wife offered. She's like, "Do you want me to cut it for you?" I'm like, "No, no." She's
2: not. Uh, she was willing to try, but. Yeah, I just don't. I just don't think it's going to happen. And we're going to take another quick break to thank this sponsor for this part of the ID10T podcast. Squarespace, longtime sponsor of the podcast. I'm, I'm sure you know, but just in case you don't, you uh, can create pretty much any kind of digital presence you want using Squarespace. Build an incredible website you have an idea, you want to manifest it uh, on the internet, you want to showcase, you just want to showcase some work, you want to publish or blog some content, you want to sell products or services of of all kinds, you want to promote your physical or online business or announce an event or a special project, now Squarespace is going to give you the ability to create email campaigns, all right? You, You can create your own domain, you can own it, you can create and promote your business, all using Squarespace. Beautiful templates created by world-class designers and powerful e-commerce. It's going to let you sell everything online and everything is optimized for mobile right out of the box. 24-7 award-winning customer support. Doesn't matter what you do, you can create something and Squarespace is going to be there to help you create it. So um, head to squarespace.com slash ID10T for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Use the offer code ID10T to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Thank you for listening. And thank you to Squarespace for sponsoring this episode of the ID10T podcast, which now resumes. Are you guys watching anything right now? Do you, do you, do you like a lot of the same entertainment? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, yes, we do. I will every once in a while need to uh, go off by myself and watch a black and white, uh, you know, Turner classic movie, uh, old war movie or something, I, you know, an old British war movie.
3: Very, he finds very them happy. really comforting. Very calming. And he <laughs> loves them. He, you also can watch people being very yes. bloody and blown up. And I can't, no. I, even though I've been in the business my whole life and I've even killed people, you know, uh, on screen, I can't stand uh, yeah. really watching it. So um, happy to make it uh, if that's what people enjoy, but but it's not my deal. So. Um, but yeah, we do. We're, we watch we? a lot. We've been watching actually. We're catching up. We're ourselves. catching up on things like Mad Men. Mad Men. Oh yeah. Oh. oh. How and, good is that? And, it's um, amazing. Um, really enjoying my friend January Jones who was in uh, Last Man on Earth with me and um, I think she knew by my silence whenever everybody was talking about Mad Men that I actually hadn't somehow <laughs> seen it. <laughs> but now I'm just so proud of her, uh, belatedly and I uh, and, uh, think think they're all so fabulous and, and, and I so love just, the design but yeah. We loved uh, Tales from the Loop. Oh my God. Oh yeah, we just started watching that. Yeah, we just yeah. started oh watching that. Oh my gosh. It gets better and better. And
1: Mary's son, Charlie, directed episode uh, six
3: episode six. Oh, cool. Yeah. 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 Uh, but they're all they're all really good. Jody Foster directed the last episode, which is also spectacular. But they're they're the speaking of production design and just incredible, uh, beautiful concepts that came from uh, paintings of a Swedish painter, and they—I think that's right—and um, um, they just it just made for this really lovely uh, series that it's, we. It's a little
1: strange. We started watching it pretty early on in the you know COVID nineteen shutdown and. Mm-hmm which was very eerie for all of us, especially in the beginning. And that is very eerie. You know, Tales yeah. from the Loop. And It was a little bit like... Yeah. Uh, um.
3: Well, what's also weird is that I did four years on a TV series about
1: wow. how
3: nobody, only seven people were left on the earth because of a virus in the year 2020. And that was <laughs> Last Man on Earth. Right. So that, that was... Um, we we did a, a a Zoom kind of thing the other night with Will Forte and some of the other actors on there, and um, the number one question was: Is Will psychic or something that he <laughs> <anyone knew. laughs> Well, Will,
2: Will was legendary. Will's legendary for always having like the most random, like out there ideas. So maybe, maybe he is pulling some sort of a weird psychic. Maybe, maybe it's, maybe it's not a creative center. He's just weirdly psychic <laughs> into the future, <laughs> you know?
3: Whatever he is, he's one of my favorite people on the planet. He's just, um, he's, wonderful. he's so, he's just such a good friend. He's lovely. He's been to Arkansas to my aunt's. Ninety-second and ninety-third birthdays. He's been twice
1: <laughs> on his own
2: dime. We didn't, we didn't, we didn't pay him. <laughs> that is fantastic. Did you did you invite him or was he like I'm going to yeah. come? No,
3: I, I invited him, but I thought there's no way he's going to come. But he <laughs> came. Kristen, <laughs> all came. Um, you know, we ha- we went um, to my sister's house on the Little Red River and went fishing and. Um, John Solomon, if you know him, that's Will's like writing partner. They all they all came to Arkansas and it was like, oh man, that made me love them forever. We had such a good time.
2: That is fanta- That sounds like a very Will Forte thing to do, to show yeah. up at your aunt's 92nd and 93rd birthday <laughs> yeah.
3: party. Yeah.
2: But I think there's that sort of um that sort of appreciation for like fun experiences new experiences different experiences i think that really fuels creativity because i think what's behind it is like a curiosity and an appreciation for life and i think that's that kind of helps keep the machine going you know like that helps fuel creativity
1: yeah i think mary's better than that she she was always the one we kind of met not met but we've It's true. It seems a little whatever. I won't go into the whole story, but we fell in love on a little canoe trip, about a four-hour canoe trip, and, you know, went up friends and came down, you know, smitten, or at least I'll speak for myself. And part of it was the effortlessness. If you ever try to canoe with somebody, you can tell if you're going to be a good partner or not, you know. (laughs) And uh, Mary was always wanting to go around the next bend in the river I was. I'm always a little more cautious, but I'm smart enough to go yes. <laughs> but yeah. that's our life together. She's always going. Oh, come on, let's go around this next bend. But I. But you know, maybe it's too far. Oh, it'll be fine. You know, I'm kind of what you said you were. I'm a little more. I'm like the ragtail to her kite. That
3: is so nice. No, weird. it's true. You, if I, you, if I you're weren't the one there, that got arrested with Jane Fonda this year.
1: Yeah, I did.
2: Yeah,
3: and this the, <laughs> the Capitol.
1: Yeah, I did.
2: <laughs> Want to see my tattoo? <laughs>
3: uh,
2: Do you get some prison tats? Did you get some prison? Tats? <laughs> it's, oh, it's, I
3: wish. It's it's I really of, wish. It's it's that comes out
2: strange. of prison with a teardrop tattoo. I. Like, oh, that my, would be, be so somebody? awesome. Yeah, well, you know, the guy was in my space, and he had never seen tears, and I can't tolerate that kind
3: of shit. Put
1: up the lockup. It's kind of the champagne of arrests. You know, (laughs) the Capitol Police are very.
2: uh, very (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I know, I know, but still, you know what? You still. uh, Hey, you you know, it focused me.
1: It did focus me. You know, for that brief four hours, you had no control of your life. You were. Even if it was all very nice and polite, you didn't get to move your hands the way you wanted. because right. You had little wrist cuffs on and you, you know, you couldn't go do anything without asking, you know. It was, uh, anyway.
2: Yeah, there are probably a couple of hours you're like, oh, wait, this is real. I didn't think this was a. Yeah. Is, yeah. No, oh, I thought we were, so we didn't.
1: Yeah. You didn't have to keep Don't you know, Cheers, <laughs> cheers, man. Cheers. Come on, please cheers. Take, that, that da- take this
2: you think, off. <laughs> that Danson's going to attack a cop? Are you fucking kidding me? No. Oh, come on. Come on.
1: I'll, I'll sign an autograph. Please, <laughs> take this off.
2: <laughs> I'd love to sign an autograph, but ooh, if you could just... <gasps> please.
1: How about uh, Jane Fonda, man? Jane Fonda is uh, one of our heroes. Last two or three years. Mary worked with her, what, about three or four years? Three years ago? But she's one of those people that kind of changed my life. I think when I was about to turn 70, I thought, oh, I better slow down and take, you know, shift into neutral, see where I am. And Mary met and became great friends with Jane. And it was like, she has her foot on the gas pedal. You know, she is just nonstop. She would work 12-hour days. Then on a weekend, she'd rent a bus and take 50 women up to Sacramento to lobby for uh, service industry people's allowing them to keep their tips. You know, and she's just nonstop.
2: Yeah, anyway, because I think my that sort of keeps people going. Is the uh, you know like working for something bigger? You know, like working yep. having a having a real purpose. Having I mean, anyone that I've met who's you know well into their eighties who's still very vibrant, they still kind of have a purpose and they still you know. Yeah. Mel Brooks was a, like Mel, I think Mel still went into the office every day, even if he's not, well, not now maybe, but at least even as recently as a couple years ago, he's probably like 94, you know, it's that yeah. constant curiosity, that constant drive, you know, to accomplish things. I mean, you don't, it's funny that you said when you like, there's just such an antiquated idea about, you know, oh, I'm 70. Like maybe our, maybe your parents would have thought that, you know, yeah. but that didn't yeah. have, that doesn't have to be how it is. But there
3: is this sort of societal um, agreement toward diminishment. And if you don't do the diminishment thing, there's something almost unseemly about it, you know, for some (laughs) people. It's like, wait, go into your garden. Go in your garden and stay there.
1: Give me the damn baton.
3: Yeah. And um, (laughs) so, but but Jane didn't get that memo and – and I don't know. I don't know that I did either. And it feels like it feels like you're supposed to keep scaring yourself because it's right. like when when your kids are are little, you say you can do anything. When they say I can't, I can't play the piano. It's like yes. You can do anything you put your mind to, and then you reach some age, and no one says that to you anymore. I never thought of that. You know, well, when's the last time anybody said that to you? you yeah, know, exactly. So you, yeah. So you have to say you have to say it to yourself. You do or you won't. You know, you will agree to the diminishment very subtly, quietly, and without realizing it. You will have agreed to it, oh and it's God. like. <laughs> What about that? That's so messed up. Well, think about it. Think about it. I think about that all you the time.
2: Yeah. It's like you you can do whatever you want up into a certain point and then don't do a lot of stuff. Then just, <laughs> just shut it's, up and stay home, you know? Yeah. But as performers, though, I feel like performers are given more leeway with that. Sure. Because you, you people play all sorts of characters, Yeah,
1: creativity is kind of
3: age. Maybe, but I I started writing music at age 54, and believe me, not everybody was real cheerful about that concept. It was either like, oh, poor thing, that's so sad. Oh, no. Um, Yeah, or um, why would you do that? You already have a successful career. Like, Like, yeah. Do, limit yourself, damn yeah. it! Don't don't yeah. don't feel joy
2: or be challenged in any way. Just <laughs> put yourself in the box that I see you in. Like that's that's such a but. And most people probably would listen to that, but you. It's good that you didn't. Uh, oh, I didn't.
3: I didn't. That's and and listen. There were lots of m- moments. I mean, Ted remembers a day when I came back to the hotel in Nashville and sobbed because I had been I have made such a a fool of myself in a, in a writing situation with two great writers and I contributed nothing. And and I was totally filled with self doubt. And why did I think for a minute I could do this crazy thing? And then I woke up the next morning and um, part of my language, but this, I was like, I'm gonna fucking write a song today. It <laughs> fucking kills me, and and um, and I did, you know. And and part of it, part of it was just staring down into that abyss of being a beginner at something, mm-hmm. and and being humble about it, and knowing that you had to grow. And and even now, when I I write music, I I started doing that in two thousand seven, and. So it's my 13th year of doing it, but I'm usually a writing with like 25 year olds and I'm way behind them, you know, but. That, but what they like about me is like one of them said recently to someone they said, God I love riding with Mary she's so emotionally mature and I'm like I'm just I'm just mature I'm just like I'm mature in every way a person can be mature I'm too mature but but that that is like you know I do bring something. To it. And then and then you have to be humble because you're still learning and you might be behind them in this in this on this road. You know, that's okay. Like I saw. okay. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical
2: to meaningful shop Etsy. Get up to 30 percent off well-crafted and personalized gifts from participating shops until May 12th. This year, embrace your creative side. You know, the side your mom gave you? And shop Etsy for custom jewelry, style pieces, home decor, and extra special items she'll adore. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply.
0: Do you ever feel like you're settling? For your foundation, that is. Maybelline's new Instant Age Rewind Eraser Foundation doesn't settle into fine lines and wrinkles.
2: Yeah, I mean, I saw someone Someone said something that I really liked that was something about, like, um, I don't know. It, it had to do with basically, like, if if you're striving for perfection, you're going to fail. But if you strive for the process, you know, you, you're going to succeed because that's the reward is the process. Yeah. And yeah. The the messed up thing about life is that you have to have uncomfortable moments to grow. And uncomfortable moments suck, you know, like what yeah, you experienced yeah. in Nashville. But yeah. if you hadn't had that then you wouldn't have learned from it, you know, like, but someone else could have taken that and been like, well, I'm never doing this again because I never want to fight again. But something about you, I don't know. What is it about you that, that lit a fire that was like, that was humiliating and I have to embrace
1: that. This sounds, I've often thought that, uh, you know, when people talk about success or uh, that a large part of, being successful is being willing to be successful because you have to get rid of so much of your ego, so much of your need to be right. You have to, you have to be willing to get rid of a lot of your stuff Mm -hmm. to be successful. I think, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Because it will, those ego decisions really do get in the way. Like they really by and large are not, Helpful, <laughs> no. I mean, they, so, to a degree. I feel like you kind of probably need a little bit of ego, otherwise you might never think that you could achieve anything. But too much is like, yeah. oh. I mean, in in your in your careers, you've probably seen so many amazing performers where you're like, ah, shit, they almost had it, and then it just, ah, oh, I wish I could have helped them, you know. But it's, yeah. but it's it's the trap, and that is what you both somehow have survived with all the success and awards and all the things that would have trapped so many other people. It's listen, I'm, I'm not saying that science should take apart your brains and study them, but I do think that there's <laughs> something magical maybe it's the effect you have on each other, but there's something magical about you. Cause all I've ever heard about both of you is like, Oh my God, they're the nicest, the sweetest, the most unaffected. And there there's really something magical about that because this business is it's so easy to to not
1: be those things we we hear that a lot but i hear uh also uh, with a mixture of dangerous sexuality I,
3: I, <laughs> 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 why is
1: he
2: laughing so hard. Um, yeah
3: the smoldering guns yeah he he had such a cool upbringing Yeah, He really did. He had, for an American, he had as exotic a childhood as you could possibly have, shall I say? Yeah, yeah. His his dad was an archaeologist and director of the Museum of Northern Arizona, and Ted grew up riding bareback across the desert with his Hopi and Navajo friends. Wow. And and his two best friends, one was Hopi and one was Navajo. And his dad wouldn't let him wear, use his saddle because he was afraid if if somehow he might get dragged if you caught your you know. So so they had to ride bareback. That was a rule, and he, they would leave early in the morning and come back at dinner time. And that was his childhood. And and then, and, and
1: then we'd go on weekends up to his father's farm. It was right underneath the Hopi Mesa's second Mesa and the Hopi had lived in the same area for 800 years. So they never, they never went to war with the United States. So they never got moved. So they're living in, in the same, uh, Adobe like buildings around this Plaza and they're dancing to their, to their kachinas, to their dog, to their God's, the same way they have for centuries, and we would be around that. Then we'd go down and be an acolyte at the Episcopal Church on Sunday. You know, I got to be exposed to so many different ways to relate spiritually that it all seemed natural and normal. That was a real gift for me. I think uh, my parents gave me that.
2: Yeah, and you probably it probably also gave you the confidence that that nothing is nothing means everything. You know what I mean? Like when you, when you have that much reverence for the world and you see the world as that kind of a place, then it's probably like, Oh yeah. Acting. Sure. Great. Yeah. Okay. Fine. You know, I mean it, it, I I think the danger is coming into this business and thinking it's the most important thing in the world. And it's like, it's fun and it's great and we love it, but there are bigger things. (laughs) You know?
3: And, and it, there is a, um, you know, there is a loneliness that can occur i wouldn't say uh i think in finding each other we don't experience this as much but when you when you're successful in this business part of the deal that comes with it is people kind of think you're more amazing uh than you are that you then you know they think you're you know more special than or or they think you're or special yeah or 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 they yeah or they want to resent and hate you it's sort of one or the other and part of what you have to do as a parent who cares about your kids growing up in a real way and then also just being authentic with your partner and then also for yourself is to constantly know what what of that to listen to, and what of that to just let to now? And I think I don't know why we had the same sort of kind of language regarding fame or success. But when we met each other, it was like meeting—you know—you're split apart. You're a person that that saw all this stuff in a very similar way to the way you did. And and that was really huge for me because there's a as as close as I always felt to my family in Arkansas and I still do, when I first started making movies and I would go home, I would feel so like how do I bridge this success thing with my old life in Arkansas? How do I how do I cause people there to see me? as a holistic person and not just their, their projection of what it is to be famous. Cause that's the other thing you are carrying people's idea. (laughs) I remember coming out of the theater one time with Malcolm in New York and he, he had gone to get our little rental car and we were, we'd rented a house. I was doing a movie with Woody Allen and I, I, we had um, rented a house in upstate New York and and he'd gone and gotten this crappy little red car that we had rented. And, and I remember this autograph guy was there collecting autographs and I came out and, and I signed the autograph and then I started to get in the car. And he said, wait, that's your car? <laughs> and I, go, hey. and I got
1: mad. Right?
3: He was so angry. His face <laughs> got like purple, and he goes, "You're not. You shouldn't be in that car. You shouldn't be driving around in that car." And it was like, "What?" Well, I, truthfully, I hadn't even noticed it. You know, I was like paid zero attention. I'm sort of car clueless, but uh, I certainly hadn't noticed anything about that rental car. And he was so mad that his you idea, uh, I wasn't living up to his idea of fame. <laughs> and um, and I just from always remembered that moment and thought, man, you're going to have to figure this one out for yourself because you cannot be, you know, fulfilling everybody's ideas and what it's supposed to be.
2: No, and the crazy thing is with social media, like that used to just be the realm of, you know, like, act like the, t- you know, like, just a sliver of culture and now that's everyone it's like everyone right. this has this like sort of weird fake idea about who they should be or what they should be doing and how they should be presenting and so it, it is it, it's it's now kind of a, a societal thing and again maybe this whole experience will give people some some proper perspective
1: do you read uh, all your stuff uh or- on social media, or I mean, I've been
2: I, I've been online. You know, I, I've 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 been an, an internet guy since 1993, and I felt like I kept having to learn over and over again over the last you know 27 years. Don't read comments. Don't read comments. Don't read comments. I I appreciate parts of it. I think social media can be what you want it to be. I follow a lot of artists and musicians and people that I like, but. I feel like I don't take it as seriously as I
1: used to, and I think most people are kind of I, I think I you're are right. kind of getting hip to that too I think I would be overwhelmed i'm not on i mean I'm on social media, but I'm not if you know what i mean I'm not reading it i'm not if I need to post something for a show um, I will do it with the help of you know someone guiding me through it. So I'm not really on social media.
2: Yeah, you're fine. You know, you, you could read a thousand really great comments saying, oh, Ted, you're the best. You, and then one person will say one shitty thing. And then just as a person, you're like, what did I, why would someone say, yeah. you know, like it, even if it takes five minutes of your emotional energy, that's five minutes too much, you know, like it just, yeah. I just don't think it matters as mu- much. It's a great way to connect. I think we're so lucky that we live in an era where when we're all isolated, we can still connect with people. Yeah. And I think it means a lot. I just think the danger is that thinking that it means everything is, it, it doesn't, yeah. I don't think it means everything. I think it means a lot, but I don't think it, I don't think it means, that. I think there's a, it all came about so fast. No one questioned like, should we be doing this? Is this healthy for our minds? And retrospectively, I think some parts of social media will look back at, like, asbestos, like, fuck, people lived around that? Yeah, we didn't know, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and so I think that the next wave of it will be, you know, how do we live with it healthily? Like, how do we yeah. have healthy self-images? How do we make sure that our values aren't distorted and, you know, that kids aren't seeing bad versions of people and fake yeah. versions of things? So, yeah, I don't know. So I, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm still you know, I'm I'm less than I used to be where I really used to obsess over it. Um before we wrap this up, first of all, I adore both of you. It's very um, sweet thank talking you. to you. This oh has been God. really
3: lovely.
2: Oh, I really appreciate it. I, I really I met you once really briefly at some award show and even in just the ten seconds that I don't remember who you were sitting with that I knew, but uh you were just so there's just a genuine warmth and a friendliness and you really do seem to like you really do seem interested in the world and people. And that is, that's really lovely. So thank you for making this wonderful for me. Um, What are you, what, what's besides the kind of time that you're spending together and putting chocolate chips and everything, what what are you, (laughs) you know, what is your advice to people for like finding joy? How are you, how are you seeking out joy and what makes you joyful right now in a time that could be so easy to be overwhelmed by, Chaos and negativity and toxicity.
1: Well, it's it's not. I mean, we're not batting a thousand or whatever. You know, it's a. I do succumb to anger when I see something that's happening in the world that shouldn't be and that it's stupid and it's and all of that. But I think we almost approached it with a. Well, we've always approached life with the discipline of. Hey, we'll we'll take uh let's do let's do 92% joy, mm-hmm. and we'll do eight percent of the of the anguish and the da-da-da. But let's let's keep the average real high on joy. And I think we started doing this here. I mean, we when and I don't think it was even a discipline, actually. Sorry, I'm rambling, but when you take away all the trappings. And it's just just going to be you and me,
3: <laughs> you know. When it's just the two of you, you start to really punchline of our favorite joke. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, and and you know, um, we're we're very blessed. I've I've been both, you know, poor and wealthy in my life. I've been both of those things, and and what we do have, we worked for and. And uh, we try to share and but but we so, also right. recognize that that uh, especially in watching what's happening in the world right now, that part of our job is to make sure and try to do something whenever we can for people um, and um, and that everything has to be seen through this amazing privilege view, which which I have felt for years and, and especially feel in this moment that I'm not putting gear on and going to a hospital and worrying about my kids. I mean, I just, my heart breaks for all of them and I can't imagine um, how hard this time is. I mean, we, we were freaked out in the beginning, just in looking after ourselves because of our advanced age and, you know, worrying, like they kept saying, everybody above um, If you're above 60 If you're above 60, and we're like Those poor people, they're... damn, those poor folks. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, you know, the the thing is, if you are blessed to be drawing a breath, which, which unfortunately so, so many people in this world recently have have passed, and, but if you are blessed to be drawing a breath, part of your job is to seek joy. I do believe wherever you look at those nurses and doctors and how they do their dancing and they're cheering when somebody leaves and stuff, and they're even in the midst of such extreme sorrow and a war zone they're they're looking for beauty and that i find that incredibly moving and i hope i hope that when they look back on this time and their kids and their grandkids talk to them about it i hope of all the things they're proud of that that constant seeking of beauty and giving somebody a little joy is what one of the things they're proudest of. Um, That's so well said. It's just it's such it's a big moment in time, you know, it's a big moment. In in some ways it is it is um it's kind of a privilege to be here for this this moment in time that the world paused, you know? And uh I I think there's so much to be gained from it. And amidst all the the loss I think
1: I think that you know not that we're not going to live for a long time and all that but to at 72 be able to take this two three months and be literally just the two of us like putting your head under the covers and whispering like kids is a, a real gift it will be one of the gifts in my life and I know that's Crazy to say because of all the suffering, but it it is a gift. I think this virus, in some ways, and that and that
2: sort of seeking of joy is what pulls you out of the dark moments and pulls you out of the self pity moments. And the is it is it as conscious as going? Wait a minute, I have to remember all the things we have yep. and the and that I'm grateful for this. And it, like, is is it really just that kind of like gratitude elevation that pulls you out of the yep. Yeah,
3: and there's not too many pity parties in this house. They're not really without someone smacking you. Yeah, we <laughs> we like keep each other real about really. Oh, so you're gonna be feel sorry for yourself right now? Uh. <laughs> or at, or what was the line um, uh, about being that I said to you one time? Well, oh, I said. He was saying, he was worried about something. Now,
1: we'll tell you this because we had this lovely relationship over the last hour. Yes. But it can be mistook. But it made us laugh very hard. No.
3: And he was worried about some terrible thing that was going to transpire. And I said, Ted, when has life ever disappointed Ted Danson? And so... And we laughed... We so, howled with laughter. So uh, you know, it's a horrible thing to if, say. If and we were not, so. if we were not grateful, that would be pretty simple. So yeah,
1: you know what? When you look at the silhouette of our life, if we weren't running around celebrating how lucky and blessed and and being joyful, then we should be, you know, ashamed. Ashamed. Hey, <laughs> you're you're really uh, speaking of a joy. You're really fun to talk
2: to. Yeah, thank so you. So I'm Oh, my gosh. I really appreciate that. I mean, I, you know, I'm just such fans of both of you, not just professionally, but also as people. And I always say, like, when you look at someone's career and you see that they've worked on great thing after great thing after great thing after great thing after great thing. Yes, a lot of that has to do with talent and and earning a place in the business. But if people aren't nice, there is a certain point where people are going to stop asking you to work. You know, True. because it's like, yeah, they're too much trouble. And so when, when I look at both of your careers, it's it's easy to just look at your resume and go, they're probably really nice because <laughs> otherwise, you know, it's like it's like at a certain point, people, like a job ends and it's, you know, there's no guarantee you're going to get another one. But if you're fun and easy to work with, people go, you know what? Bring in Mary, bring you in Ted. <laughs> great. It's always oh, so it so fun much. to have
1: around. Yeah. yeah, they're fun to
2: have around because you're, I know you're working on, did you shoot up? did, do you know if the, if we you did the pilot with Tina Fey and, Car, and Robert Carlock? Right. Was that just a pilot or a series?
1: No, it was a series. Uh, you know, I, I, we're going to do thirteen. <laughs> One wonders, but the plan is to do thirteen, and we've done
3: three and a half.
1: Three and a half. We were uh, we were block we were block shoot. You know, we were doing oh, two gotcha. episodes in a block, and so we did. Uh, we've done three and a half of them.
3: It's very funny. It, I
1: really hope uh, that it. I get
3: know, to play the mayor of LA. Yeah, it's really. <laughs> oh, it'll, it'll it'll come back. It'll all yeah. like
2: it'll it will all settle back. But even yeah. so, like um, the good place was another like magical moment in time. Uh, yeah. Even for just it's, you know, it's. I mean, not short. It was still, you know, you still was it five seasons? Uh, four
1: seasons, and four then seasons. Mike sure decided he had told the story he wanted to tell, and he pulled the plug up.
2: Very rare in American television. I know. for someone To get fired, to get fired yeah. fire for thirteen ball. more years. Yeah. Uh, Curb, I know you did Curb again. Um, your uh, Oceana is the um, the ocean conservation organization. Uh, and yeah. Mary Zoe's extraordinary playlist, and then also the music that you're writing is is your music. Is there any like where can people hear your music right now?
3: Um, Well, recently, if you um, if you watch the film, I'm pretty sure it's on Netflix, the film Wild Rose, the last song in the movie is um, I saw a song I wrote with two other Nashville writers and. Um, it's
1: spectacular, and truly, we truly go listen. It's we brilliant. were
3: honored to win the Critics' Choice Award, tying with Sir Elton John and Bernie Chapin. Oh my so that gosh! That was that was kind of a really nice moment in my life, and um, and Zoe's playlist. Um, I work with so many great talents on that show, and it's really it's really such perhaps, a brave um, uh, a brave you know, wonderful show that is um, all of us, well, some of them aren't outside their comfort zone. I'm way outside my comfort zone, but I'm really enjoying it and loving it. And then, yeah, I did a movie called The Happiest Season that we just finished right before everything stopped. Um, that's a, um, a movie that comes out for Christmas.
1: And hey, you also have to, if this relationship blossoms, uh you'll also have to let us know that when you do yeah that,
3: that that would, that be, would be amazing oh my god I'd love to that, that is
1: one of those things where
2: it's like I had dates all through the summer and then those got pushed to the fall and now I was saying to my manager like I don't even I'm not confident that September is yeah. even time that people I know gonna, yeah. I don't know when stand-up or concerts or anything are going to be a thing that we'll get to do
1: again but uh, you know. well we'll be there well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Invite
3: you. us. Yeah, for oh, I sure. Will. I will. We'll give that you a, be, that'd be that we'll be cool. We'll give you a
1: big hug. No, we won't give you a hug. We'll just... <laughs> An air hug. We'll air do hug, a hug. <laughs> hey, we, what
2: a pleasure. Thank you so much. I really hope you stay safe and healthy. And you too. And
1: much love to your family. And uh, thank you. Doggy. Yeah.
3: yeah. Really, yeah. really nice. Really. to Thank see you. you. You're, you're pretty special. Thank man. you so we much really for, for us. allowing us to do it. Thank yeah. you.
2: Oh, I love it. Thank you. Have a great. Tell Arthur I said hi.
3: Uh, All right. Okay, wait. Let me show, show.
1: Oh, He's
2: asleep.
3: He's asleep. He, he's a little Aussie. All right. All right. Take okay. care. Take care. Good luck with your puppy.
0: Thank Bye. You. Bye. Bye. ID 10 scanning complete. Enjoy your burrito.
2: When you're committed to raising the standard, you're bound to ruffle some feathers. At Happy Egg, we like to say we farm differently. But in reality, we produce eggs the way people used to, by partnering with local small family farmers who raise our happy hens on eight or more acres. Because in our opinion, farming shouldn't be complicated. It should be happy. Choose happy with Happy Egg. Visit happyegg.com and look for the yellow carton at a store near you. Happy Egg.